We are concluding our Bible year sermons today. As we've tracked through the Bible, uh, we find ourselves, of course, if we were going to end all the way through at the end of the year, we would be in the book of Malachi in the Old Testament and the book of Revelation in the New Testament. And although we did speak through the book of Revelation a few weeks ago when we talked about what in the world is going on, uh, I, I have a message from 1 Peter. In fact, we actually looked at part of the passage from a different translation for our giving moment. Um, but but it, this is actually is an end times verse. Uh, the Apostle Peter is talking to anyone and everyone that would read this letter. Of course, we know that he was that first pastor leader over the church in, in Jesus's absence into, uh, into heaven. Uh, Jesus put him in charge. And he wrote this letter, and he concludes this, this first letter of his writing, uh, this epistle in 1 Peter 4. And it really is talking about how we're to live with the mindset of eternity in the reality of the day with the decisions that we make. Um, how we need to be people driven by destiny, fueled by love, and making decisions that we use what we have to serve the people around us. That our lives are not about ourselves, not about our own comfort, but about our heavenly, about our heavenly calling. First uh, Peter 4, we'll start in verse 7. He says, the end of all things is near. I mean, if that was true nearly 2,000 years ago, it's more true today. He says, hey, the end of all things is near now. He doesn't know the time or the date of Jesus' return. In fact, Jesus himself doesn't even know it. That's what he tells that he told his followers that, hey, that's for the Father. And so if that was true back then, how do you know it's more true today? Here we are. It's the, maybe the end of the world. We don't know. It's definitely the end of this year coming up. Maybe it's the end of a season for you. But I just love that thought. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may, you may pray. Think about that. At the end of it all, it's that you can be clued in and have the right way of thinking, not so that you can even do first, but that you can communicate with God. That if you want to end a season well or end a year well, that you'd have your mind ready and shaped to be a person that stays in contact and communion with God. Above all, he says, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whichever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ and to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Amen. He says, hey, we're making forever decisions the Christ's return, we don't know when it's coming, but hey, from this time till that time, be alert, be of sober mind. Why? So that you can pray, stay close to God. And then in your closeness with God, show, show hospitality, show love to all people. The Bible says we show love to all people, but we start with those closest to us in the family of faith. It's how that we love and care for each other that the world sees through our character and through our concern and through our care for each other, the world sees the validity of our love of God at work with, within the church. And, and so we, as believers, have to live with this sense of urgency, anticipation, and my key word for us today that we're gonna overcome is procrastination. That in the view that all things are coming to an end in some day, some way, shape, or form, your 80 plus years here on the earth, one day will be over. 
and that you will no longer put off the divine assignment, the calling, and the care for others that God has put in and trusted in you today. I want to speak about quit holding back. And I got about 15 minutes to fit in 30 minutes. But good news, God's going to stop time like he did for Joshua. Just kidding. We'll go quick. Because I want you to see that the thing that you're holding back in your life is costing you momentum with God and your ministry for God through the world around you. Some of the things that are holding you back. I don't know the decision that you need to make that you've put off. I don't know some of the lifestyle decisions that you know that you're called to make or, or the, the comforts that you've surrounded yourself with that have caused you to lose out on the passion and the purpose of your heavenly calling. But one of the great barriers that prevent believers from fulfilling their potential at its fullest level is this procrastination that we keep thinking that we'll make the decision tomorrow. But we need to quit thinking that way. Why? Because that's what's holding us back. And if we would make a decision to make our yes a yes and our no a no, we would see God begin to align and enable our giftings at work within the church and in the world around us to move our lives forward and ultimately to move the mission of Jesus forward. A survey of Americans said that 10% struggle with procrastination. And I just think that has got to be a wrong stat. I think the other 90% were going to take the the survey, and they put it off till the, the deadline was over. <laughs> Procrastination, and I'm not just talking about your lifestyle decisions to get up and work out, all that has benefit. Even the Apostle Paul, fitness has some benefit in your life. But spiritual training, it has a blessing in this life and the life to come. But procrastination is a thief that slowly steals your kingdom's significance. Putting things off that you know God has asked you to do. It siphons off your real success, kingdom success. And slow obedience is disobedience. When we move slow, when God says now, we say not yet, that's, that's disobedient. See, change is a choice that you make today, not tomorrow. Why? We're not promised tomorrow. And I brought this message at the end of uh, November, not on January 1st, because January 1st is not a magical day. I know it's the beginning of a new calendar, and it's a time for a fresh start, and we have a vision board, and something we're excited, and things we want to conquer. But the truth is, you do not have to wait till the end of next month and the beginning of next year to make a significant decision of obedience today. And I want to bring this message from a pastoral heart, but with a passion to really prod and push you out of your comfort place because some of you are one God decision away from the promise that you've been believing for. Some of you are one decision to push procrastination away and say yes to something God has already put in your heart from a kingdom move that might start small but will have a snowball effect of significance in this next year and for the rest of your life and even for the forever, ever things that Peter talks about in 1 Peter 4. So instead of waiting till the beginning of the year, why don't we just go ahead and change right now? We know the right thing to do often, and we don't do it. We delay. We say tomorrow, later, someday I'll do it. One of these days I'll get around to it. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer, the great author and theologian and preacher. He says, we must never rest until everything inside us worships God. What part on the inside of me isn't submitted over to the worship of God? 
where Jesus is my savior. I thought Pastor Jerry did a phenomenal job last week talking about, hey, for some of you, Jesus is your savior, but not your Lord. What part of my heart needs to turn over to worship to God? What, what do I still have in there that's, that's procrastinating and costing me more purpose and more of my, my potential? Some of the reasons why we procrastinate, it's just flat out indecision. There's a lot of decisions to make. In the book of James, Jesus' brother says uh, that a double-minded man is unstable in all he does. And if you have some instability in your life, you might think, wow, I might just need to make a God decision. And let my yes be yes and my no be no. And we live in a day of such great comfort and choice that it's easy to be indecisive. I mean, just go to the store and say, I'm gonna buy milk. How many milks can you choose from? Back in the day, it was whole milk or 2%. Now it is almond milk, goat milk, cashew milk. I mean, how many more of these nuts are needed to be milked in order for us to have more beverages? I mean, there's a thousand, you go organic milk, you can go goat's milk, raw milk, all sorts of things. We live in a world of so many choices, it is so easy to make a decision. This is why the word of God has to be primary in our life because it shows us high priority decisions that we need to make first. We would call the big rock decisions. That he has to be the Lord in every area of our life and let's start with the biggest ones first. I think a cause of procrastination is perfectionism. That since we don't know how it will all play out yet or we can't see how the yes today will lead to that thing we're believing for, we don't say it yet. We're waiting for perfect opportunities. Like it says in Ecclesiastes 11, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. One translation of the same verse says, if you wait for perfect weather or you watch the clouds, you will never sow. And if you never sow, you will never reap. So if you can't see how it'll all work, you'll never make the decision today. And guess what? It will never work. So why we have to quit holding back and make the decision that we're called to make. I think about the first miracle recorded of Jesus, the water to wine. They needed wine, but Jesus said, get water. Now, if they're thinking just naturally, how would that ever lead to wine? But it was actually that obedience just to do what he said that led to the divine change. You can never have seen how water would become wine because they weren't factoring in a miracle. It was just a simple act of servant-hearted obedience that led to the opportunity for the miraculous. See, the thing that God is asking of you, I think the Holy Spirit's even prodding your heart right now, that one little level of obedience that naturally is actually going to be used by God for something supernatural. But if you're waiting for the perfect opportunity, you will always be waiting. I think one of the reasons we procrastinate flat out is just fear. What if it doesn't work? What, what if it doesn't make a difference? What if I make the phone call and I forgive that person or I ask for forgiveness and they still shut me out? I know I'm supposed to do it, but I am intimidated to even take the step or the action. And I think you just need to ask, what am I really afraid of? I think one of the big ones, to be honest, and this one might seem harsh, but we know it's true. The reason we don't make decisions sometimes is we're just lazy. We just think it's more, it's just easy to be comfortable. And I've said it before, I said it the last couple of weeks, that like, hey, you're calling in comfort Will, will never coexist. That it sometimes is a stretch out of the norm that gets you in an abnormal place, and that's how we're supposed to live. Like Dr. Romat was, was saying, we, we don't live by our own sight and senses and feelings. We live by faith. We're the people of the eternal. We're the ones that are trusting God with the everlasting. So we might need to make some decisions now outside of our comfort and just be people 
really to be a disciple means you're a disciplined person in the disciplines of the faith to look more like Jesus. Proverbs 13 verse 4 says, lazy people want much but get little. Our favorite word in America is easy. We love easy. Uh, remember the easy button? Was it Staples? Just push the button. That was easy. There are no best-selling books that say 365 hard decisions to lose weight. It's not 99 sacrificial ways to, to serve your spouse. No, it is eight-minute apps. That's what we're, by the way, eight minutes, you will not have apps. You need eight minutes, 365 days, and eat less in order to have apps. See, those, those things don't sell because those things aren't sexy. See, what we want normally often is we want hacks but not habits. And there are holy habits that God has put in our heart. And that's what Peter is saying. He says, hey, whatever you got, use it. Whatever gift you have, use it. Don't hold it back. Don't procrastinate. Serve other people. Use your gift. Preach the word. Help other people. Give. Sacrifice and surrender. These are the habits that build a healthy believer and a holy life, a life set apart for a God purpose. See, we say here at Kingdom City that destiny is a daily decision. You don't wake up one day, take off your standards on holy ground, and God just changes everything in your life. It's actually the decisions you make every single day that leads you to a place called destiny and purpose. What does procrastination cost us? It costs us wasted potential. Man, that's one of the scariest thoughts for me is that that I would go to the grave without fulfilling potential and purpose. And maybe in your last season, you, you have said, I've procrastinated, I've, I've been perfected into perfectionism, I've been intimidated, I've been insecure, maybe I've been lazy, you may even say that about yourself. But you say, from this day on, I'm gonna step into the, I'm not holding back anymore. In the light of eternity, I'm gonna make decisions in the here and now for God to help me overcome my procrastination and I'm gonna make my yes a yes and if the Bible says it, I'm gonna believe it and I'm gonna demonstrate it with my life. And that if you would live that way, the Bible says the calling of God is irrevocable. So even if you've been lazy, if you've been intimidated, you've been fearful and you've held back, the calling of God is still on the table for you. He can make up the difference if you'll make a decision. He can make up the difference if you just make a decision to choose. Ephesians chapter five says, verse 16, make the most of every opportunity for doing good. Every, don't miss every opportunity. Not most opportunities, no. Don't miss the every opportunity. That's why we say God's word is our way here at Kingdom City and we say the Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit helps us take this God's ways and get it in here, our heart, and here, our mind, so it becomes who we really are. And who we really are on the inside will always come out on the outside. And you can put a mask on for a moment, and maybe even for a season, but ultimately, who you really are will be seen to the world around you. This is why we have to have God's word and correlation and connection with implementation in our real life by the Holy Spirit. Some of the problems that procrastination brings in our life, I think potentially it harms others. It's not just hurting ourselves. It actually harms others. That's why, what, what Peter says, hey, use your gifts to, to serve. Various forms, we don't all have the same gifts. Not everyone's a preacher. Not everyone's maybe super gifted in hospitality. Maybe not everyone has the gift of giving, but everyone has different gifts of grace in its various forms. Use whatever you've got for the service of other people. 
See, it's really not about us so we can lose our potential, but our potential because we say here at Kingdom City, people are the promised land. That when we don't use what we have and we procrastinate or hold back on a yes that we need to say, we're actually hurting somebody else. Marriages fall apart for this very reason. You know what to do and you don't do it. What needs to be done and you haven't done it. The conversation you need to have with your kids. You got 18 years while they're in the house. 18 years. And you need to learn to love them and discipline them in your safe world that's filled with love. In your small world. Or not, they will be disciplined without love in the big world. And so we cannot put it off any longer. We need to be intentional with our yes and our decision making because potentially it could be harming others. Remember, it's whatever gift you have received to what? Serve other people. And I know there's been delayed, I've had delayed obedience in my life. It's happened to all of us. But what I would love just to bring to the conversation that you need to have with the Holy Spirit for yourself today is what is that one, maybe it's two things. I wanna leave here with more than two. What are the one or two things that I know I need to say yes to that God is asking of me or I need to say no to because it's costing me too much? So that becomes the cure of our procrastination is that we are people that learn how to make the move. What is that move that you need to make? Make up your mind, make it happen, because the cure for your procrastination is just a choice away. What choice do you need to make? Maybe for us, maybe let's talk about church. Maybe it's to submit to Jesus in every area of your life. Come back to putting him first. Maybe it's to be baptized, to go public with your faith. First Sunday of the new year, we're having a baptism again. We're going to have regular baptisms right here. In fact, we're going to aim for every single month, we're going to give people an opportunity to say, I'm going public with my faith. Maybe it's to get a part of a team, go to the next steps, step into serving. Maybe it's to forgive someone in your family. Maybe it's to, to, to ask for forgiveness of something that you know that you've stepped out of alignment with. Maybe it's to be a person that practices God's word and putting a first through generosity. There's a thousand different things that God could be pressing in your heart, but there's one or two I think you need to go ahead and do today. And don't wait for the hack and don't wait for the easy button because it will never happen. It is a decision that you need to make with God and make it happen today. How do we make this move? I think you need to write it down. I think you need to hold yourself accountable and put it on paper. Don't let it just live in your head and live in your heart. Actually write it, write it down. So when you do that, you can put it into the excuses. I think it's Ben Franklin that said that you can be good at making excuses, but you'll seldom be good at anything else. People that are good at excuses are seldom good at anything else. There's uh, accusers, excusers, and then there's choosers. Accusers say it's everyone else's fault. And the truth is you might have had some people in your life that have done you really hard and wrong. Maybe just the world you were born in was not as good as someone else's even in this room. It definitely is a reality of everyone, many people's situation is that they grew with some struggle or maybe some absence. Other people's lack of yes and no have cost you, but you cannot live accusing everybody else because we have Jesus that makes up the difference in every area of our life. Then there's excusers. Sometimes, I'd be honest, this is the one I probably deal with the most. That I'm like, ah, I would have done that, but this person did this. Or, you know, if the economy were better, I, I would participate in this. Or if I had a different opportunity like they had, then, then I would maybe make this decision. You excuse yourself because of circumstances in your life, and you just say, well, that's just the way I, I am. But then there's choosers in life. Choosers are strong, capable people. And maybe no one has ever called you strong, but in Christ, you're strong. 
In Christ, you're not a victim, you're victorious. In Christ, you don't have to live according to the climate of the culture of the world around you, even the home you were born into. You were born again into a family of world changers, of overcomers, of conquerors in Christ. That's who you are now. And so we're strong, capable people that make God-first decisions. We're choosers in life. We don't blame others. In fact, even when things go wrong, do you know what I love to think about when I have a detriment of something working against me? The, the, the lower I feel or where I started on the ladder and the higher the calling that God has or the thing he's asking us to do, that gap there, do you know what I call that? That's the glory space. Because if I could just make a little step up in my own self-discipline and my own decisions and right choices, that's just my own works. But to get from where I started or you started in the world to where you're called to be in Christ, that space, God gets all the glory for. So this is why we dream really big God dreams. And we obey in really small places and everyday decisions. And then over time, with our small handed over to him, he multiplies our talents and our abilities. That's the parable of the talents. You might be a one-talent person, but you can end with everything that God has for you, and the gap between where you started and where you end, God gets all the glory. Amen. And if we can live our lives with that mindset and mentality, we're gonna make a massive difference in the world, here and now, and for the forever, ever things it talks about in 1 Peter 4. And I think you just need to understand, when I move, God moves. I'm not saying you force a move of God's hand, but I'm telling you, when faith Gets ready, faith gets prepared, and faith makes a decision. Faith doesn't procrastinate. And when I move, God moves with me. Mark chapter 9, Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Jesus, what do you mean if I can heal you? Anything is possible if a person believes. The Bible says if you ask a, pray, a prayer according to God's will, it's as good as done. I don't know the timing of that, and I don't know how it all comes together. I just think to pray the will of God means that don't make it about yourself. Make it about the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. If you pray those kind of prayers, not only will God make those happen, but God will bring your dreams to life as well. Philippians 4.13, we know this one, maybe the most misquoted verse in the New Testament. But the, the heart of it, Apostle Paul writes to the church in Philippi. He says, I've had a little and I've had a lot. And I've learned no matter what my circumstance is, I could blame other people. I could be critical of others. I can, I can feel like society's tried to cancel me, or I can just fulfill my purpose in Christ. And he says, there's nothing I cannot, I love this translation, there's nothing I cannot master with the help of Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. Whether I have a little or a lot, it isn't about me, it's about Christ's strength working through me, but I've gotta make a decision. I've gotta, I've gotta choose. I think you need to make a deadline. Tell someone, I'm making this decision today. This is the week I make this faith step. This is the week I let this thing go. This is the week I, I, I let someone in to this, this secret that's been haunting my life and hurting my faith. It's an area where I have been disobeying God. There's an area where I need to, need to obey God. I'm writing it down and I'm making a deadline and I'm telling somebody else. And I do believe God will show up. Deuteronomy 28 says that he blesses the work of your hand. But you have to give him something to work with. Romans 1 verse 12, almost done. I want us to help each other with the faith that we have. 
Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. This is why you need to tell someone else because it's about spiritual partnership. Not spiritual codependency. Partnership. Everyone has a part to play. Some of you come in every single Sunday and you are on spiritual life support. And I love that. We want this to be a safe place. When you are running on fumes, you come here, you will be filled up with hope and with help. But if you really want to grow out of constantly coming to the emergency room rescue of your faith, you learn to start making decisions by the word of God and start saying yes to the ways of God. And we do that, God will grow you. We don't have to wait till January 1. We can do it today. They're going to use what we have, our gifts. We're going to turn them over to the Lordship of Christ. And as we do that, we make daily decisions of destiny. God will grow you out of a person just barely getting by to the world changer he created you to be. I promise you this. God has not limited your purpose and your calling. It's unbelievable. It's Ephesians 3.20 in your life. But you will never get to the exceedingly abundantly above if you don't make a decision and execute that decision today. What is it he's asking of you? Write it down. Make it today. Put a deadline on it. Get a spiritual partner in that. That's what church really is. We're in spiritual partnership together. We're in this thing together. I'm telling you this, in this 2024, I will make it so uncomfortable for you to stay the same. I will force you. I say this in pastoral love. You will grow or you will have to go. We're not staying the same. Why? The world needs a church filled with love and courage. We are heading into election year. We already are living in the most divisive times that any of us have ever been alive. We've got to be different. And it starts with our decisions. Is he Lord of every area of your life? Is he first in every area of your life? Is he first in your finances? Is he first in your forgiveness? Is he first in your love, in your pursuit, in your passion? We are in partnership and let's go ahead and do it today. You have a part to play in the kingdom work that God's gonna work through Kingdom City Church. I cannot wait to see what happens on the other end of your obedience. It might not happen instantaneously. It normally doesn't. We want things right now, and we want them to be amazing. But normally it takes a long road, and it's even better than we expected. I can say that with my life. I can say that with Liz and I and our faith decisions. That we thought it'd be awesome all at front, and it wasn't. Sometimes it even felt awful at front. Front. It, it felt painful at first, first step, first decision. That wasn't the, the breakthrough that we thought. We didn't think it, that, that's not what we thought it would be. We thought it'd be a key that would unlock a big door. No, it's just another step down the hallway. But it actually led us to a place and space and opportunity of purpose and calling that was greater than what we thought originally. It just took us longer to get there, but it was better than we could have ever dreamed of. I'm telling you, we are headed into that season as a church. And I speak that over your life. I speak that over your marriage. I speak that over the raising of your kids. I speak that over your career. The decisions we make today are going to matter in tomorrow and forever. The eternal things. Because we're not promised anything tomorrow. Proverbs 27.1. Never boast. What happens between now and then? We just have to make now decisions and see what God does God does with it. And quit aiming, aiming, aiming. Go ahead and just fire off the shot of a yes. Fire off the shot of obedience and let God steer it to it's where it's supposed to be. Amen? I think our church, I think your life, 
Right now, it's a product of the grace of God and yesterday's decisions. And that same grace that has us here wants to lead us into a glorious future, wants to lead your life, your marriage, your career, your future into something amazing. The grace is here and the grace is sufficient, more than sufficient. But you have to make the decision today. What's the decision? I ask that the Holy Spirit would press it on your heart so loudly, so clearly. He would articulate it so pinpoint accurately that you would not be able to deny it. And that now, from that moment where the Holy Spirit has revealed it, this is your opportunity to decide whether you're going to say yes or you're going to push it off another day. What is it? Is it Jesus is Lord in every area of your life? Is it stepping into really being a part of this family of faith? Is it have to do with healing in your family of origin? Uh, what is it he's asking of you? And if you would have the humility, the audacity, and the obedience to say yes today, I believe God would not only heal that place, he will bring his help, his grace, and his care to that place to move you forward. Along this journey of our church, I think Liz and I moving here, not knowing anyone, that was a big decision. Leaving the comfort of a job, ministry opportunity in a church we would inherit to step in the unknown. I'm so glad we did it. It had a cost. Launching the service on the plaza, moving to the building on the plaza, starting north at Park Hill South, building out this building, the House of Hope, South, everything. There's always been a decision. And I'm grateful for the people along the journey, every single one, that have said yes to what they're called to do. But what I believe for us collectively as a family of faith, if every one of us say our personal yes, in that area where maybe it's been a no or a not yet, whatever that means for you personally, if we all say that together and collectively, not only will God move this church forward, but God will move your life, your family, your future so far forward that we would not, that gap of glory, God would get so much credit and so much honor for the way that we live and the decisions that we make. What's holding you back? What's stopping you from saying that yesterday? Let's give it over to Jesus right here, right now. Amen. Can I pray for you? Why don't you stand to your feet and we'll pray. You guys get challenged today? Are you ready to make some decisions today? Are we excited for the future that God has for us as a church? Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for every heart and every life, every person, and every heavenly plan you have for them. I don't know the plans you have for them, but I know who you are, God. I know what your word says. You said that you have plans to prosper them, to bless them, to bring fulfillment. In the end, it will go well with them. And yet, those plans, the heavenly plans, plans we call purpose, plans we call destiny, they, they do hang in the balance of our decisions. To unleash our God-given, in-Christ potential is a decision. We don't just make it one day. We make it every day. But today is a day of decision. Like it says in the Old Testament, you put before us life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose today whom you're going to serve. God, I thank you that they would make a resolute, God-honoring decision to obey you in that one or two areas where they've held back. What does that look like for them? God, I think you would make it so clear to their heart they could not deny it. And they would not be able to excuse it. They wouldn't dismiss it over lunch. They wouldn't get rid of it, put it off till tomorrow. They would choose today that they are going to serve you with all that they have, and they're going to honor that thing you're asking of them. God, I thank you that as collectively we make those decisions, as individually we make those decisions, you would be glorified through it all. 
the end of procrastination, the end of delayed obedience, the end of putting it off till tomorrow. And we make right now God decisions to honor you and to obey. And you move our life forward in the most beautiful ways. God, I thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you for your work. And this is not by just our decisions and gritting our teeth. This is all by your grace and the goodness of God so that you would be glorified in our life and that you would grow us to our potential in Christ. We stay in this moment of prayer if you're here and Jesus isn't first in your life. Maybe you've never prayed the prayer to receive the forgiveness, receive the grace. Maybe you have, but you know that he's not king over your life. He's not Lord of your life. You've prayed the prayer of Savior, but you've never said, I, I submit to him as king over every area of my life. There's still a facet or a place of my heart I have held back. I'm not holding back anymore. That he gets to have not only the glory of saving my soul, but also sits on the throne of my heart. That he decides what is right, where I'm going. He decides what my yes is, and I give him my yes in advance. If you're here and you never start a relationship with Jesus, today's your day of salvation. If you have said the prayer before, but you know he's not first, here's today is the day of your surrender. You gotta make the decision for yourself. No one can make it for you. If that's you, we're gonna pray a prayer all together as a family of faith. We pray this as a community. We pray this as a celebration of what Jesus has already done, but the decision is still yours to make. Don't put it off till next week. Don't put it off till next year. Don't put it off with the mentality, I'm gonna fix some things in my life, then I'm gonna get right with Jesus. It does not work that way. When he goes first, then everything falls into order. And until he is first, your life will be out of if that's you making a first-time decision or putting them on the throne of your heart as first place in your life. No one looking around and saying, Pastor Kyle, that's me today. Today is my day of decision. Today is my day of yes. Today is my day of salvation. Today is my day of surrender. Can you put up your hand and say, that's me today. There's one of you. There's two of you. There's three of you. There's four of you. That's awesome. Anyone else want to make the decision? Maybe that's you online. Maybe that's you at Lansing choosing today. Beautiful. Let's pray this prayer together. A prayer of surrender, a prayer of salvation. Say this after me, church, all together as one family. Say, thank you, God, for your love for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you were born to die for my sins, to rescue me. I was trapped far from God, but you were faithful. You picked up your cross. You died for my sins. So now I am forgiven. You rose from the grave. So now I have victory. Your grace is enough. From this day forward, you're first in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, can we celebrate everyone who prayed that prayer?